If you have been here at all, you probably know John. (laughs) But there may be some of you who haven't met me. I'm Laura. I'm his wife, and he was kind enough to invite me to join him for the sermon this morning. So I am very grateful for the privilege to be here. We are very fortunate to be able to do quite a bit in ministry together. And one of the things that we are able to do is to travel quite a bit. In John's role uh, on the board of World Vision, we get to travel. And actually, we just got back on Friday from Sri Lanka. Now, you may hear me say Sri Lanka and be, oh yeah, been there, done that. But I had to look on a map to discover where we were going. Sri Lanka is actually an island off the southern coast of India, used to be called Ceylon, has about 22 million people, and they experienced the devastation of the tsunami that we all heard about in 2004. Now, many people didn't see it coming. Most people didn't see it coming. They were vacationing at the beach, or they were at work. Many of them are fishermen. Some of them were at school or at home. But all of a sudden, this rogue wave, seemingly out of nowhere, crashed on them, just wiping them out and changing their lives forever. As I look, back, look out at our congregation this morning, I see a lot of really capable, together people that look on top of things. But I, I know that there are those of you sitting here this morning who have experienced your own tsunami of sorts. Maybe you have discovered an unfaithful spouse, or you've lost a job, or you've gotten a cancer diagnosis, or you have a prodigal child who is far from God, and you may be sitting here this morning just in total discouragement, really not even being completely here. But for many of us, I think we experience just kind of the daily waves or periodic waves of discouragement. It's ironic, as we were preparing for this morning, I told John that I was going through a week when I was was feeling discouraged. No big tsunami deal, but just kind of the everyday stuff that many of us encounter when sometimes we get overly tired because we've been traveling or we've been up all night with a baby and we lose perspective or we compare our lives with someone else's and we feel like we come up short or we get a bad grade or a bad report or we feel left out or someone is critical of us. But whether they're big tsunami waves or little waves, I think that this discouragement causes us to ask, do I really matter? Is everything going to be okay? And am I all alone? Or is there somebody else in this with me? We're in a series on relationships. It seemed natural to include my closest relationship in this talk. And one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about encouragement is exactly what Laura was talking about. We need help. We need help getting through the ups and downs of the kind of lives that every single one of us on this planet 
lives. We need help. Because Satan's goal, the evil one's goal, is to discourage you. To take away your courage and your hope. To discourage us through the distortion of truth about God and, and about yourself and, and your life. We need relationships because God has created us that way. The scripture says two are better than one because when one falls down, when one falls down, the other can pick them up. Encouragement is picking each other up. Giving life to relationships. We thought it would be helpful for you as you listen to us to think of someone who has encouraged you. Think of somebody who is an encouraging presence in your life. Yesterday, as he did the children's sermon, uh, Joe said, Rich Fino really ought to be talking about encouragement. Every time I think about Rich, I think about encouragement. Who is that for you who's encouraged you? What kind of difference has it made in your life? The word encouragement actually comes from a Greek verb that literally means to come alongside. But I think that means so much more than that. When we encourage others, we remind them of who they are, gifted, capable, beloved. And we remind them of whose they are, precious precious children belonging to an almighty God. All of us want to know that we matter. All of us want to know that it's going to be okay. All of us want to know that we're not alone. I used to think that encouragement was just kind of a nice thing, kind of a a bonus, like people opening a door for you or saying please and thank you. But as I've studied for this sermon, I have become convinced that encouragement is a crucial part of God's plan for us, and we play a vital role. Because I believe that we are God's agents on earth, sent here to remind each other of the truth that God answers each of our concerns affirmatively. Yes, you matter. You're precious to me. And yes, it's going to be okay. I cause all things to work together for good. And yes, I'm here. You are not alone. I will never leave you or forsake you. If that's, if that's what encouragement is, that reminder of who you really are, And relationships are supposed to help us. Then it's important to realize what encouragement is not. Because there are a lot of fake substitutes for encouragement. There is flattery. Someone might say, oh honey, I really like that shirt. But does it really go with the polka dot pants? This may not be encouragement. Or or somebody might say, oh honey, you're so much better at money than I am. Why don't you balance the checkbook? I'm not sure that that's really encouragement as much as it's manipulation masking as encouragement. Beyond the jokes, some of you, probably many of you, are in danger of the false encouragement of affirming children all the time for every single thing that they do. When we affirm children 24-7 for everything... They tune us out and don't believe it when we want to really mean it. Encouragement has to be telling the truth. So the people feel better because they see who they really are or who they really could be. And so today, we wanted to look at encouragement through the lenses of a relationship. 
a relationship that's found in Scripture in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is all about encouragement. Twelve different times in this one short book, they use different forms of encouraging one another. So when we get to the book of Acts, after the Gospels, Jesus has come and has turned the world upside down and shown people this radical new way to live. He came and he lived among them, and he died on the cross, came back to life, and he left the disciples with the help of his Holy Spirit, with the charge to continue this work of kingdom bringing on earth until he comes back. So the church is like this little toddler learning to take its first wobbly steps, facing danger and confusion and discouragement at every turn. They really needed each other, like we need each other. They needed people to cheer and say, you can do it. They needed people to pick them up when they fell down. This young church was vulnerable, and there was nothing that Satan would like more than to discourage and defeat this outpost of the kingdom here on earth. We see in 1 Peter 5 and in John 8 also that Satan is the father of lies. He wants these early believers and us to believe we're worthless. There's no plan and we're all alone. And into that story comes a man named Barnabas. Barnabas, Hebrew for bar, son, nabas, encouragement. The son of encouragement. He lives up to his name. He gives us a living picture of what encouragement should look like. And the first thing he shows us is that encouragement does something. It shows up and it does something. In Acts 4, it says this. And a man named Barnabas sold one of his fields and took the money he laid it at the feet of the apostles to use in their ministry to the poor. He demonstrates belief in God and confidence in these other people. We are in this together. You are valuable. He reminds them who they are and whose they are because he did something. This is what someone did for me years ago when I was going through a very discouraging and dark time, a friend of mine showed up on my doorstep with this bowl of rocks and a bulb. And she said, Laura, I know that your life, you feel like your life looks a lot like this, very barren and bleak right now. But I want to give you this because I am giving you this as a picture of hope. Because I believe that no matter how Uh, dark it looks right now. God is going to bring something beautiful from your pain. And just like this bulb in this planter looks bleak right now, it's going to bloom into something beautiful. And I believe that's what God is going to do for you too. So she showed up and did something, showed me a picture of what she had in hope for me. Encouragement does something. But its primary expression is to say something. In Acts chapter 11, it says, The leaders sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. And Barnabas encouraged them all. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. 
and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to get Saul. And in chapter 14, we see how Barnabas has taught Paul the ministry of encouragement. Paul and Barnabas strengthened the disciples, and they encouraged them all to remain true to the faith. When we say something, I believe in you, you can do this, God will show up, it reminds us who we are and that we are the creations of the all-powerful creator of the universe, and that we are the ones that God looks at every morning and smiles and says, you're great. Because when you say something, it sticks. We have this privilege of uh, being in relationship with thousands of children in Africa. And one time, Laura and I were part of a team uh, that was visiting our sponsored children in Uganda, going from village to village, and the World Vision convoy stops on the side of the road, and we go in to these huts over here, and on the other side of the road, out of one of the other huts, a little boy sees the World Vision truck and runs back into his hut and runs out, waving these two things in his hand, coming running toward us. Giwitz, giwitz, giwitz. He was saying, I had no idea what that means. I thought he was speaking in, in a Ugandan tongue. Giwitz, giwitz, giwitz. And he showed us a picture of a family from Edina, Minnesota. Alan Mary Giwitz. And a note that Alan Mary's kids had written to him that he had been saving in his hut. Not tacked up on a bulletin board because they didn't have one, but under the little mat of straw that he slept on year after year because somebody had said something to him. So encouragement does something. It says something. And lastly, it shows up in especially hard times. Before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, we know that Paul was a brutal persecutor of Christians overseeing murders. Now, after he became a Christian and arrived in Jerusalem, the disciples were understandably uh, reticent to greet him. They thought it might be a trick. Only Barnabas risked his life to meet with Paul and to come alongside of him. In Acts 9, 26 to 28, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join, this is Paul, tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas showed up in a hard time and he communicated, you are not alone. People have shown up for me in hard times too. Someone came to my door many years ago with a prayer shawl like this. And they said, I have been working on this for you. And as I have knitted it, I have prayed for you. And I will continue to pray for you. I just want this to remind you that you are not alone. There are others with you in this hard time. And we are praying for you. That's what encouragement looks like. That's what we hunger for. 
in relationships and what we want to share with others. But for me, the reality is that it a lot of times does not mark our relationships. And worse, frankly, it does not mark, encouragement does not mark your closest relationships. You're probably more encouraging to people out there sometimes than you are to people in your family, your children, your parents, your spouse. The ones closest to us often feel not encouraged by us. And I, I wondered what it is that prevents us from being encouraging to people in our lives. We came up with some ideas. One, that it's hard for people who are feeling discouraged themselves, who are feeling worn down, to help others feel better. In the same sense... We get so self-absorbed and we don't pay attention to what's going on in other people's lives. It's not like we're pride-filled or angry. We just got our head down. We're just doing our own thing. I think, frankly, that the people we get to know the best, we have a pattern of setting the bar awfully high for them. And they often feel like they disappoint us or they're not quite living up to what we want because we have not encouraged them. And then, i got to tell you, for me, encouragement cannot take place at 110 miles an hour. I, uh, I had lunch last week before we left with uh, Sarah Norton, our director of kids' ministry, because she's going on sabbatical for the summer. I wanted to just check in, and, and I said, your ministry's doing great, you're a terrific leader of the staff, you've grown a healthy team, they're doing fabulous with the kids, we had a great lunch, and on the way back, she, uh, she says to me, um, John, do you mind if I say the last 10%? Now, in our staff setting, that means we've had 90% of the conversation, we've told the hard things, we've gone there, we've done everything, the last 10% is the hard part. The part you're afraid to say because that'll make the conversation go bad. So when she said to me, can I say the last 10%, I said, don't say another word. (laughs) But I I could tell, you know, this wasn't going to be as fun as the last hour. As we're driving back to the office, she said, I got to tell you, since I have come here, I have loved the encouragement that I received from you. That you tell me that I'm doing well or you admire this or that. And I have so treasured the notes that you've written to me and the other members of the team over the years. Those notes, John, I save them like Laura and I save notes of encouragement. And she said, John, the last 10% is that I I haven't gotten a note from you in well over a year. And so I wonder, if I haven't, are others not feeling encouraged by you? What do you think? She's not coming back from her sabbatical. It's a shame. (laughs) But I'm going to start writing some more cards. Like John said, it's often the people closest to us that we neglect to affirm and encourage. And that's one of the things I'm so thankful about him, that he encourages me by honoring me. Every woman wants to hear that her husband is proud of her. Every man, woman, and child wants someone to brag about them. But often, it's the people closest to us that we overlook. So we've looked at three pictures from the book of Acts on encouragement. Now we want to make this practical. We'd like to share three challenges for all of us in terms of application. The first one is 
Because others will always let us down, we need to first be encouraged by God to fill our minds with the truth of his word about who we are and to whom we belong. For example, God says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. We need to keep reminding ourselves of that as encouragement. A resource that some of you may not be aware of is called Message Gear. Each week, both online and in hard copy, we have a tool that you're welcome to use that takes the message of the sermon into the next week and provides additional interaction with God's Word. We have printed up some extra copies, and they're on the big round table out in the great room. If you'd like to grab one as a resource to to make that a first step of um, being encouraged first by God. So for followers of Jesus... Encouragement is receiving a gift from God. Being encouraged by God and then learning to share it with others. And that leads to the second challenge. We would challenge you to look at your relationships. You cannot encourage unless you are in relationship. In Samuel, it talks about David, the shepherd boy who becomes king and Prince Jonathan. And it says, David and Jonathan were knit together, heart and soul. Are there people in your life that you're knit together with, heart and soul? It's why we talk almost every week about small groups here. That people would come close, but is in any setting, somebody who is walking with you. It's not enough to just have that relationship, though. It means that you need to pay attention. Again, often we're more sensitive to the needs of people out there than they are than we are the person closest to us. So our prayer... Our challenge this week is that you will be aware of the people who need encouragement that God puts right in front of you, whether it's a sponsored child or the checkout girl, whether it's a teenager or your boss or somebody in your home. The last challenge ties into that one, and it is just let's do something, say something, or show up for at least one other person this next week. I hope that maybe someone has come to mind as we've been talking that could use a little bit of encouragement. I'm sure you guys can think of a lot of ideas. We've brainstormed some. Maybe you could write a note like we've mentioned, take a gift as a reminder or a meal to encourage someone. On Facebook, you might like or comment on someone's wall. Make a phone call. And in contrast to say something, another way to encourage is just to listen to be still and let someone pour out their heart to you. Perhaps you are at a restaurant and the waitress looks tired and worn out and you can give them an extravagant tip to encourage them. Or text a line to remind someone that they matter. Text a line to remind them that you're praying for them. And as you do this, I pray that you will remember that you're not just being nice, but that you're partnering with God in his work in the world.